You are listening to the Empowering Indian Expats podcast. If you are an Indian living abroad, feeling stuck in an average 9 to 5 or a job or business that's not helping you reach your full potential, this is the podcast to tune in where you will find your role models and learn from their dream struggle victory stories. This is your host Ehsan Ali, a long-time IT professional living in Sydney, Australia, who has made it his mission to find and unpack the stories, strategies and life lessons of successful and inspiring Indian expats to help you and I reach our full potential. I'm very excited to introduce you to our today's guest, Amandeep Thind. Amandeep is an international trainer, best-selling author and a public speaking coach. The best part is he started as a failure. With low self-esteem, no English background, how did he then move to London and how did he get a chance to be with people like Tony Robbins? How did he become an international trainer and public speaker? I'm keen to know Amandeep's transformation journey, what inspired him, the defining moments, the hurdles and how he overcame those challenges to become what he is today. So without further ado, let's hear directly from Amandeep his story. Hi Amandeep, welcome to the show. Thank you Asan for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with the you. Pleasure is mine, Amandeep, and it's a pretty interesting world we are in today. You are in London, I'm in Sydney, and looks like we are sitting next to each other. Yes, in, thanks in, to technology. God bless you know all those brains <laughs> and hands who created this. <laughs> yeah, in in our own little studios. <laughs> yes, you know, and pretty much want to know where you started from and this your whole journey of becoming an international speaker, working with likes of Tony Robbins. and then you created a business out of it and that's what you do that's where your expertise lies so i want to get a little bit of understanding on your expertise as well but yeah let's start from beginning you know where you started and how did you get into this public speaking arena i think you know the challenges you know which actually where you look for the answers right leads you to a path you know where you start giving the answers for people so my my journey started you know in a very humble bringing humble you know beginning from a one room house in calcutta so you know i mean i can literally go back you know in my memories right now and let's i can see back. my kar- <laughs> let's <laughs> go back let's go back era gadda hota tha mare paas you know mummy subah wo lapet deti thi samet kar rakh dete the ha aur raat ko hum bichha lete the to didi main mummy daddy sab sab farsh pe sote the So that was you know the, the the life you know we had one toilet and it's a very funny story I had constipation problem you know I used to have <laughs> because if I'm going to toilet I will take good twenty minutes you know so if anybody who has got a pressure because there were like five you know tenants using one toilet so uh, if so they see me one toilet you, for other tenants as well not just for your yeah there were, there were five rooms and there are five tenants you know okay so right. if they see me they will be like bhai mujhe jaane de because you will take longer mine will come out. <laughs> that was the kind of life you know we lived i used to take shower in pukur you know in bengali pukur is like local pond you know it's like a not a swimming pool it's pretty dirty i won't get into it now anymore but we used to take shower in that you know that time can you imagine you know we used to wash our hairs with nirma soap you know the one oh, yeah, which yeah, yeah, yeah. washing powder nirma yeah i remember the idea yeah. yeah i mean i still remember you know using nirma for hair and using the tight thick you know bar of life boy for the no, body absolutely i remember looks like your nirma worked amandeep you still have full hair man <laughs> this worked because of bengali match match bhat i think the Ma, fish all oh, right yeah the rohu yeah. fish rohu fish 
maybe you know because i'm half bengali because of my you know my mom is bengali my dad is punjabi and that was my biggest challenge you know when i was growing up so financial challenges i think personally were not mine you know we we had food on the floor which my parents would provide we had a couple of clothes you know we would get it from the neighbor second hand the only time you know i would get a new pair of dress would be during durga puja festival durga yeah. puja is coming up you know on 14th of october yes you know you asan main duniya ke kisi bhi kone mein rahu you know i have been to europe sometimes at this stage at this you know phase of year yeah. i've been to even australia sometimes when i went there and even asia some parts yeah. but i feel you know the vibes of durga puja the dhak you know that dhol and and that you know energy of that sandesh and and you know that that you know sindur play they play at the end of yeah. the yeah. final day So yeah. it's all vivid in me, you know, in my in my in my brain. So I I feel, you know, that something like Durga Puja essence is around me, and That's, I feel happy because you know maybe it's the hardware programming, you know, that oh I'm going to get this new dress, you know, one pair of new <laughs> dress because of Durga Puja. So yeah, I mean, from there it has been a very interesting journey of overcoming, you know, the uh, understanding that I'm not pure. You know, I, I was giving this feeling, you know, that I'm not pure enough as a human being because I'm a mixed child, and because I was overweight, so I was bullied and abused, and. you know all these voices that you're not pure enough you you know you you're not good for anything you're a dumb dull boy good for any, nothing it all became you know kind of my voice over a period of time and i was suicidal at the age of 16 because what happened you know my father had a major accident he used to drive a taxi in, in calcutta mm-hmm. that's how he you know would have a living for us mm-hmm. because of this major accident and obviously you know the insurance systems were not there at that time you know i'm talking about 97 98 so he had to uproot us you know in 1994 and bring us back to a remote village in punjab my village actually belongs to a state or or a, or a district no, most people don't know you know it's like sangrur sangrur lot of people don't relate to people relate to ludhiana so we normally say that i am you know from like forty kilometers from ludhiana yeah mm-hmm. but actually i'm from sangrur district which is kind of a more backward remote district of punjab so you know imagine in 1994 what a huge contrast of life you know in the, in the city we had challenges but we still had you know some basic access to like english middle school and stuff like that so from that city the outskirts of calcutta i was uprooted without any notice because we had a financial problem and i couldn't accept that as as a, you know as a 12 16 years old so i wanted to kill myself you know because four years of hell in the village of being discriminated being bullied and and been abused by these guys who were a little bit more stronger than me because they did farming most of them they had beards because you know i'm a sikh by my father's side just sikh so very rough and tough people mm-hmm. so they made me you know feel like in a very nice way that you are a pussy <laughs> <laughs> that you you're not a man even you're not a boy you are so like you know mm-hmm. like soft and you don't know how to lift these up you know mm-hmm. you don't know how to run a tractor you don't mm-hmm. know you know how to you know milk a cow which i learned by the way and i did farming for a while mm-hmm. it was very tough you know mm-hmm. these these little th- thorns you know like would get into your hands you know when you do farming it's pretty yeah. tough yeah. there's no glove system you know which we have in in our villages So I went through hell. Oh God, you know. I mean, it became so painful, right? That I wanted to literally kill myself. I said, you know what? I can't bear this pain. So God, you know, why have you put me here? You know, why my life is so effed up? I want to kill myself. I think, I think you know what? That will be the end of all my pain and misery. But obviously, you know, things destiny wait for you. I couldn't do it, and then I got introduced to personal development through Amway. Amway was getting launched in India in nineteen ninety seven, I think, or ninety eight beginning. Twenty-eight, yeah, ninety-eight. Yeah, so I don't know how they got my name and address, but I got this letter dropped into my house. I don't know what network, what marketing strategy it was. Um, so I traveled to Jalandhar, one hundred, I think, twenty kilometers from my village, and attended an Amway meeting. You know, with this guy who is still existing. You know, his name is Doctor Brach. Mm-hmm. He is the first diamond for Amway business in India. 
And he, I think he still lives in Jalandhar. I did a Google on him, you know, a couple of years back. And he came from Canada. You know, he migrated. He was an expert like us, you know, but he migrated to do this business. And whatever he did, you know, from the stage, oh God, you know, he just mesmerized me. And I was captivated. Yeah, I was just, you know, like I, I loved the way he was presenting, you know, the, you know, they do this product demonstration, then they yeah. do the whole, you know, like how you build up the team and it's passive. Oh God, you know, I was like, oh God, this is, you know, pretty like I belong here. So, and maybe that's, you know, where the first, you know, maybe decision or a desire to do something similar or something close to what he was doing from stage and impact, you know, people's lives. So that's mm-hmm. probably, you know, goes back to Dr. Bratz, the credit for maybe, you know, the kind of journey I've taken after that. And what were you doing at that time? You finished your education then or you were still studying? Education has been interesting for me, okay. <laughs> you know, I think my strategy of learning was wrong. You know, I used to cram the answers like most do, okay. So yeah. repeat them over and over and over and again and hope, yeah. you know, that when you go to the exam hall, it'll come back to you. <laughs> but it's the most shittiest strategy you also understand. We don't have yeah. long-term memory. Okay? Yeah. Mm. So I kept failing, you know, in my school days. You know, like me and maybe my parents and my neighbors maybe and my relatives that worried about me that if I really don't study hard, It'll be very difficult because see, you know, look at my parents, they're illiterate. And my sister was sent to a government school at the cost mm. of me being sent to a private school. You know, I mm. went to a very average English middle school. Mm. So they had to pull out from every little resource they had, you know, to put me in a in a private school. You in Even I remember they took loan, you know, from mm. our neighbors to pay my fees in at times. My mom would sometime, you know, mm-hmm. to get some money out. And then she after a few months, she will get it back at a high interest, right. you know. Yeah. So I had this pressure, like three years in the movie. Go interview me, sir, I So I had this pressure, you know, that oh god, my sister, my mom, my dad, everybody is sacrificing, even my neighbors, for me to become something in life. Mm-hmm. I studied so hard, but I couldn't clear exams. You know, I have mm-hmm. all big red marks in my report cards. So you're talking about them, uh, year twelve, or you're talking about even the primary and secondary schools? Primary definitely, you know, was there. And, you know, when I moved to, let's say, seven, eight standard, it improved a little bit because mm-hmm. God bless, you know, I got a teacher, Chandrani ma'am, through a tuition reference, you know, mm-hmm. so she used to come and give me tuition. And I don't know, maybe she had a style which brought my, you know, game a little higher. Mm-hmm. So from seventh, I started changing a little bit. And mm-hmm. by nine, tenth, I became a pretty, you know, like average, mm-hmm. you know, like above average student. Mm-hmm. I was not like the top first, second, third, but I started scoring those pass marks and maybe even getting up to 60% also. Yeah. Now, when I shifted to Punjab, you know, <laughs> I was admitted to this school in Ludhiana and it felt, you know, that I'm actually in a very rich school. They used to have this ritual that on Saturday, you can wear your casuals. So no yeah. school uniform on Saturdays. I won't go to the school on Saturdays mm. because when I looked at my dressing, right, and that's what I felt maybe, you know. And I looked at other kids dressing. Maybe they were wearing the they were wearing the latest, maybe you know what our fashion is, mm-hmm. because they're all kind of from an affluent family. Mm-hmm. I was wearing you know this dress, you know, which I made from a local tailor, you know, in, in Calcutta. Mm-hmm. So I felt very insecure, you know, and very like low self esteem being with those kids, you know, who brought their bikes and cars into the school. Even in the eleventh standard, I'm talking about seventeen years old, right? Mm-hmm. So I started avoiding Saturdays to go to school. And then I did not appear for the exam. I was so scared. In, in you my mean the year, year 12, year, year 12 exam, year 10? 11, 10 plus yes, Okay, okay, the first yes. exam, okay. Yeah, oh God, I remember this physics teacher, you know, he would beat the hell out of people, like kids, <laughs> students, you know. 
and I was scared of him. And I could never understand physics, you know, the way he was teaching. Me. So I didn't give the exam. I just literally closed my eyes like that bird, hoping, you know, that the problem is gone and, you know, it'll rescue me. It did actually. My problem became bigger because I couldn't get admission in, in, in any school as such. Somehow, you know, with some contacts, I got a relieving letter, like, you know, releasing letter that I had only attended 11th from there. And then I got admitted to a school, which was in my town, not like really in my village, like 20 kilometers from my village called Amitgarh Mandi. And they were, they were putting their 11th for the first time. So they needed students. It became a bit of advantage for me, maybe. So I got in there and obviously I met somebody there, a teacher who helped me, you know, even emotionally because she could understand I'm going through depression, maybe. And then I failed in my 12th exams as well. I had a compartment in maths. So somehow cleared that. Uh, Amandeep, a lot of people would probably not know what compartmental is, which is you failed in one subject and you could uh, you know, just clear that one subject in the next few months, there would be an exam. And if you clear, then you are done. If not, then maybe you have to repeat the whole thing. You get two chances. Two chances. You know, so you get mid-year chance and you get a final you know, chance in the year. Yeah. So I also failed in the, 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 you know, like the first attempt they gave me. First attempt, no yeah. attempt. <laughs> yeah. So this is the way it is. You know, I got 14 marks out of 100 in my, you know, in my proper exams. Hmm. Second time I gave, I had a better mark because probably I worked very hard for a few months, hmm. but I got 29. I still failed. Still. <laughs> it was the final attempt, you know, when I somehow cleared my 10 plus to that maths compartment, somehow did my graduation through correspondence. And then I came to the UK and somehow did my master's, you know, so that's how, what my so academic you, life. So you did graduation again in Punjab and then you moved to, how did you reach UK then? Oh, interesting. Very interesting story. <laughs> I, I, you know, relocated from village to Delhi in the year 2000. Okay. Yeah. And e-commerce was a boom that time. Right. And because, you know, a lot of Punjabis or most of the Punjabis, you know, we are very much into going in a foreign country. True. Yeah. So there's a joke, you know, in our village, they say, Sadi ungli rakhado, baki asi lang. <laughs> so put my finger, you know, in a foreign country and the rest I'll manage from there. Manage from so there. I shifted to Delhi to do e-commerce and it was a complete short shot, you know, like entry right. to a, yeah. to a foreign country, yeah. US, Canada or whatever. Mm. But by the time I finished, I think e-commerce, which took me, I think almost a year or so. In a, in a in private private institute in Delhi, it was mm-hmm. Bipnet, you know. I still remember in Shivali Road in South Delhi. I think there was a little kind of you know problem, you know, but the market was coming down. You know, was it uh, post uh, Y2K? Yes, you know, whatever that challenge was, mm-hmm. and it looked like it is not a sure shot way of going, you know, to to a foreign land. And I was not good, you know, in my whatever those uh, coding. Java mm-hmm. or the zero one, I couldn't mm-hmm. understand. <laughs> I was struggling there also. <laughs> and you know, the biggest program I've created in my life, I don't remember how I did it, with some help, that if you put your date of birth, it will mm-hmm. give you your, your star sign. I remember doing that, you know. Fantastic. Uh, I had some bugs. <laughs> yeah, I had some bugs. Somebody helped me clean it up. Mm-hmm. It was a very simple, I think, 30, whatever, 40 lines of programming. Yeah. Uh, not like very complicated. You put your date of birth, and it gives you the star sign. And obviously, Devinder helped me because he was pretty good at it. Mm. And he cleared the bugs for me. Mm. So I remember doing that. I was good in HTML, by the way. You know, I okay. remember coding in HTML and creating some decent quality, colorful pictures mm. uh, with, the, with the websites. And, you know, I had all these words kind of floating around in HTML. Mm. I remember doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, you know, go to obviously US or whatever with, with e-commerce. And call centers were booming, you know, in Delhi that time. 
in year 2001 to they were just kind of upcoming i read some mm-hmm. articles about it and i started into you know i first went to it interviews you know but for it interviews what the interviewer would tell me that you got to have some experience experience yeah yeah and obviously i won't tell them anything but i will swear you know in my own head and go like <laughs> If you give me a job, then I'll have it. It's experience where will it go? And what, brother? And we didn't have internship that time. You know, we now have that in India, which is pretty good. But there was nothing called an internship in the way that you know about it. There's not any awareness, okay? And nobody mentored you to say, you know what, challenge them. Say, you know what, give me a job, don't pay me, and I will prove myself. And if I prove myself, then give me a job. So nobody taught me that. I even don't know if it, that was okay to say that time. But, you know, if you said that, it would be nice. Because now I understand... they were looking for you know talent or let's say people who would be an asset to the company uh, well you know they will say you don't have any experience so probably i gave i don't know maybe 40 50 interviews or so mm. i was not selected at because anyways i'm not i was not good you know so they probably let's say give me a technical question i would be the guy who would like start looking up <laughs> like okay how do i how do i answer that mm. so they didn't see maybe much technical in me and then i didn't have any experience so i couldn't get any job in it so after whatever that's 40 50 interviews I saw this call center, you know, thing booming. Mm. So when I started giving interview for call centers, and it is interesting. I went to like Converges, GE, these top shot big call centers, and I'll be honest, you know, मेरा ना heartbeat ना ऐसे ऐसे pump होने लग जाते हैं। अंदर घुसता था ना कि भाई अब English में बात होगी। But I want, you know, I kept going, and they kept rejecting me in second round, third round. Your accent is a problem. You know, you have grammatical issues in your English. Sometimes they'll give you feedback. Sometimes they won't give you feedback. Just saying, you know what? Sorry, you're not going to the next round. Yeah. So, as I looked at it, boy, कुछ कर भी पाएंगे कि नहीं कर पाएंगे। पता लगा ड्राइवरी कर भी पड़ रही है। तो then what happened? I think you know this small international call center. First, I joined domestic, by the way, to mm. get experience. So I I used to dial for Radisson Hotel in Mahipalpur to sell their membership card, you know, to domestic clients. I did that for six months. It was core hard core you know cold calling they used to give us yellow pages and i would dial you know yellow pages number people randomly you know who are in some kind of business in delhi and pitch them for the 6500 rupees membership card where they will get two nights free which they cannot take in one go that was the catch they can only take one night and they would get you know one beer free if they come for a meal on sunday i remember my pitch still you know and the car would be washed free of charge for them So yeah, oh God, can you see how how well I remember the whole? <laughs> so yeah, I saw that you know it was very hard, very difficult. They'll put high music in a small room, and there'll be like eight, ten people dialing, cold calling, and I didn't see this kind of world. But anyways, and I started doing kind of okay with that, and then I joined you know small international call center. It was a hardcore calling again. They were looking for people who can just speak. Doesn't matter, you know. I mean, not maybe perfect. Maybe pronunciations can be a little bit here and there, but. they can speak so i somehow got selected in the only had i think two rounds they got me selected i had a very tough time with my voice and accent teacher trainer her name is meghna vedi you know she was a cabin crew for a lot of these you know aeroplane companies airline uh, so she, yeah so she had a good grip in english she used to live in kalkaji but she liked me you know for the attitude i had in the the hungerness to learn mm-hmm. and she kind of became you know like a mentor. like you know how to say friend mentor you know and like a sister figure So yeah she helped me you know to really improve my my pronunciation enunciations all that thing that's how my english improved you know since being mm-hmm. in call center and i really excelled you know in call center i had a name called arthur ashford arthur okay yeah the pseudonym they give you and, and then uh, just... then uh, was it the call center through which you were able to go to uk 
my call center helped me to you know improve my english i went to uk i was in love with somebody okay so that's a interesting yeah. interesting uh, thing okay yes it's an interesting thing you know we we couldn't had a we couldn't have a future in india based on our surnames being similar and something you know where it'll be a big no no for us so that mm-hmm. was a big motivator for me to kind of start looking for ways to get out get out of um, the country yeah yeah so i had some experience by then and uh, my cousin helped me you know he he was a very he was almost like a father figure you know he's like very elderly to me mm-hmm. he wanted always wanted you know the he was like a well wisher he wanted good things for me so he gave me a sponsorship he paid for my college fees 5000 pounds i went to newcastle you know for my further studies and it was a study which is around call center it was a diploma in some kind of call center management program i um, see even my interview my interview was interesting because my name is officially changed so you know my 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 birth name i got it changed you know in 2002 i rebranded myself okay So yeah. your Amandeep your name is created later that was not your original yeah. name okay got it so my dadi you know kept my name after a soldier we had we only had one guy you know who was in the army when i was born in 1977 okay his name was ajmer so my dadi you know my grandmom kept me under his name hoping that i'll become soldier, soldier. You know, in the army yeah it was a big thing you know even if i can do let's say 10 standard mm. uh, that time when you know she the way she looked at the world that even if you can do 10th and get a job in army which is a very secure job it's a pretty good thing to happen yeah, so he, yes. he gave me a name ajmer because my parents can't read and write it got misspelled in school <laughs> so yeah it became jamer so <laughs> a went after j okay so my, my ration card had ajmer my my school said jamer and there was a confusion and i didn't like that you know i i just didn't like people going mm-hmm. like oh you know are you ajmer are you jamer i'm like, like <laughs> I'm a, I'm a human being I'm a human being uh, so yeah I I got it officially changed in in, in <laughs> we'll come to that quick I want to spend quite a lot of time in there you're learning your challenges and all of those things so you are in now in UK you did your diploma and then what happens you got a job in call center you started working yeah you know as because i had a call center experience i i took up a job in orange you know orange call center because it was in the same vicinity where i was in newcastle you know they had a center in north tyneside so i i still remember you know i would dial for handset calls i had mostly part time role and then when you know when you don't have like colleges running you could go full time so i had these phases you know where i could work for full time for a couple of weeks and then i would always you know be like part time working for the call centers <clears throat> and then then you know i think i've been open to learning because i know there is a better way of doing things something you know still kind of decoding but maybe it's my mom you know i think she is illiterate but she has openness to learning mm. so i think that this is this is something which comes from her and maybe this uncle you know another uncle i know who was a great storyteller you know when i was a kid i used to visit my you know nani's house he would tell us some interesting and inspiring stories i think you know what those some of the stories made a home in my in my in my brain somewhere mm-hmm. and i realized that the that life could be you know turned around and then when i got introduced to amway and the personal development books mm-hmm. i think you know a few things got reinforced in terms of learning and growing and getting better so yeah i i was in call center in newcastle for a while obviously the love relationship i had didn't work out i had a major breakup you know i was in massive pain my so god i, I thought to... i thought you were about to say like okay everything went well you know okay so uh, there also there was a twist okay yeah it only happens in movies i think you know and uh, <laughs> i think it also had to do a lot with your money you know i mean 
I was blank point rejected, you know, like because I didn't have that funds and that kind of, you know, status and that kind of background because maybe let's say the girl doesn't want to reject me, but she has got, you know, restrictions from her parents and her parents go like, you know what, this guy doesn't mean for anything. He hasn't got a proper job. His background is nothing. He hasn't got anything to, you know, fall back on. He hasn't got any property. I mean, he is hand to mouth, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm laughing about it because it's all in the past right now. So coming back, I had a hell, you know, like, how do I say this? You know, maybe I haven't shared much about this, but I think I turned a bit alcoholic, you know, for a few months since Mm -hmm. I came from Newcastle to London. I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, every day I would look forward to go back home and drink and, you know, play some sad music and cry Mm. and just thinking of what life is a big pain <laughs> so but the one thing happened you know which was that i started going to events in london the moment i moved to london there was so much of opportunity opportunities to learn i remember going to this program called you know run by coaching academies it's like a two days complimentary session they give you and then i you know remember going into another program a trainer then another program for trainer and that's how you know what my world started opening up and when i was in newcastle I landed up, you know, on a free marketing campaign of Tony Robbins' book. You know, they said you could have a free book. I'm an Indian. So, <laughs> uh, Anything love, free, I'll go there, is it? Yeah, yeah, we love free stuff. And you know what? They posted me this uh, book, uh, Notes from a Friend. You know, it's a very tiny little book Tony has written. A lot of people may not know about this. No, I'm this not is, aware of that. This is the smallest book Tony has ever written, by the way. Okay. So this is the marketing, you know, kind of strategy they use. They post you this book. And then after a few days, you know, they give me a call. And obviously, you know, they wanted to book me up for his event, Unleash the Power with it. UPW, yeah. I think, yeah, I think the fee was 400 pounds. I obviously could only take the last tier ticket. They had five categories. And I think I just had the last general ticket, which I could book. Mm-hmm. But I looked at my account. I had, I think, 370 pounds. And mm-hmm. obviously, I couldn't give everything to them. Even if I get everything, I didn't have enough. Mm-hmm. So the guy, you know, was pretty, uh, I mean, obviously, maybe a salesperson, but looked like he was very supportive, you know, of my situation that I'm a new immigrant in the country, been only here for a few months, still looking for a proper job. You know, I've got a part-time, you know, like labor job because initially I couldn't get any job, you know, when I was in Newcastle. So I used to mm. go into these factories, you know, and work for a few months yeah. until I got a job in call center. Mm. So yeah, he gave me a payment plan. And I think I remember paying 130 pounds something, you know, like in three installments. And that's how, you know, I, I went to Tony's event and attending Unleash the Power with him. Oh God, I've never attended an event like this. I've done some event in India with like Stephen Covey with 25 people, not Stephen himself, but one of his trainers. Trainers, And then some other motivational, you know, one or two trainings with like 30, 40 people. Hmm. I've not seen 11,000 people come together, you know. But there were 11,000 people. 11 plus thousand people, you know, that's what they told us. And it looked like, oh God, it was a massive, you know, Excel center, big hall, big venue. Hmm. And when Tony, you know, would play the music, people were going crazy, you know, like, oh God. And I, I didn't see, you know, that so many Westerners are loving you, hugging you mm. without any judgment about who you are. You know, I mean, you mm. always, in Newcastle, I faced a bit of a, you know, racism. Mm. Uh, and it's just natural, you know, some, there are some people who are not so educated, maybe, mm. and they would have, you know, kind of a bit of a verbal attack on you in buses and, and trains. Very little bit, but it happened, you know, they, they would call us like Paki and stuff like that. You know, I'm sorry, mm. but that's what they would call you. Yeah, I, I and, know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I was in New uh, Jersey. I experienced uh, some of these things in New Jersey and New York. Yeah. So it's sad, you know, I mean, I mean, I, my, even my, some of my, you know, like English friends told me because you used to work together. They said, you know, don't listen to these people because they're not so educated. They're not well exposed to the world. So even we, you know, kind of fear them because they can call us other things as well. 
It's just mm-hmm. not a you they call on you. They can even, you know, kind of call on us for something else, you know. So anyways, you know, so coming to Tony's event, oh God, people, you know, they were non, non-judgmental about you. They just loved you. They were hugging you. And everybody was in that uplift, you know, energy like, oh God, we can do anything, you know, we want. I did the firework, you know, I had some breakthroughs. And then second day, I had learned a lot of great things. I was loving it. And on third day, oh God, Tony, you know, took us so deep into our process, you know, the deacon's process he does. Mm. I had a major, major breakthrough, you know, I mean, mm. A lot of memories came back for me, just like for a lot of people. And it happens. Um, my grandmom, you know, she had to go and beg on the streets of Calcutta because we discarded her. You know, my mom's mom, she was very dark in complexion. She was a Bengali lady. And I used to hate her because I thought, you know what? All the problems in my life happened maybe because of her. If she was not dark, my mom wouldn't be dark. I wouldn't be dark. And I would be fair, you know, like my dad. And maybe I would look like a Punjabi or a Singh or a Jat. So, yeah, I mean, from her being begging, Losing my, you know, Mamaji, my, my, my uncle, you know, went into drugs because of unemployment, died in, in his early 30s. You know, he was a great guy. You know, he, he loved me. He was always, you know, whatever presence he could bring, he would bring in his own, you know, capacity. But because of unemployment, because of the wrong, you know, kind of environment surroundings, he, he did some bad stuff under the influence of drugs. He got, you know, his life went away. And so, yeah, all these, you know, memories came back. Couldn't help my sister when she got married. She was in an abusive relationship for 12 years because we didn't have the money to pay for her wedding. So people who paid, they made the decision, you know, on our behalf. So, yeah, I mean, I was struggling and God bless, you know, one of the coaches helped me and he saw me literally, you know, breaking down and shaking. So in that process, you know, I had a major breakthrough Mm. and, you know, Tony gave me this gift and the biggest gift, you know, gave me is to be who I am. Mm. You know, I fell in love as son, you know, in that moment for the Mm. person I am. It was a magical kind of experience, very difficult to put it in words, you know, so whatever mm-hmm. golden rays, blue rays, you know, was all mixing up with my body as maybe it's all visualization. Mm-hmm. But oh God, in that moment, you know what, I found myself. Mm-hmm. And I had this very strong, you know, decision inside me or a desire, you know, or intention that I would like to do something similar, what this man is doing, you know, I mean, this kind of experience and I want people to, I want to give it to them so that they can say, you know what, they can become anybody they want to become. Doesn't matter where they have lived, what language they speak, what skin color they have got, doesn't matter, you know, it's all within them. And that's where, you know, the journey started to become the teacher I am today. That was uh, 10 years back, is it, or more than that? 2007, June, so it's 11 years, 11 years and few months. And what were you doing at that time? Hmm? So I want to understand uh, your transition from a proper nine to five to getting into speaking. How did that happen? from this point on? It was a, you know, again, very massively painful journey. Uh, I was a student I'm on a student visa here for many years. And my visa was also rejected, you know, in year 2010, I had to fight it back. So I was going through tribunal case for five years. I couldn't go back to India because if I go back, that means I cannot come back. You cannot come back, yeah. Yeah, and I could only work part-time, you know, before that legally, then obviously I did some other work, cash in hand, I hope. Those who understand, they understand. Of course, um, you know, most people who come as students to, you know, in Australia and people who come to Australia and New Zealand or even go to US and UK where you are, everybody does that. So there's no shame in that anymore. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, I think, you know, you get exploited by your own people. You de- um, uh, that's a sad part. It's it's the same here yeah. in Australia, Amandeep. I hope somebody listening does a better uh, job for our own community. You know, I sometimes don't understand, you know, what is this feeling, you know, like, you know, like, I'm sure you have a word maybe in Australia, in UK, the word is, you know, it's fresh, you know, like off the boat, smelling. So 
I think, you know, maybe not all of them, let's put it, you know, in a way that a lot of people, they're very nice as well. They're very supportive, you know. Of, of yes, yeah. yeah, but some people like to want to misuse that situation. And they have this feeling like, oh, you know, we, let's say, came 30 years back, maybe 20 years back. Yeah. You guys shouldn't come here. <laughs> you know, like, what is that feeling, you know? Like, you, want, you, you, you were like me a couple of years back. You know, come on, go back, you know. It was just only 10, 12 years back or 15 years back, you came for a better quality of life. So, again, you know, you get misused, you get manipulated, long hours, you know, and very less pay. It doesn't matter, okay? So, coming back, it was all part of the, you know, parcel to become the person I am today. So, in 2010, visa rejection and then, you know, things were not really working out in terms of the way I want to actually scale up my, my journey. And I got into, you know, all these intense training programs as well. So I was also responsible to pay my you know, monthly installments. I joined a program as on, you know, the, the fee was 22,000 pounds. Don't tell me that's a hell yes. lot of money. Yes. And you were working part-time that time. Yes. And God bless them. You know what? I don't know what they saw in me, maybe the hunger, maybe the commitment, you know, because I was there, you know, if they needed me for something to volunteer to support they gave me a very interesting payment plan. You know, oh God, you know, I mean, I think I was paying three or 400 pounds a month. So it was a very like out of the box, you know, payment plan they organized for me. Okay. So I was learning and that's what I, you know, learned how to create games in training rooms. It's a very, very intense, you know, training program it was. But the best part was, you know, that I met some great people there. I became friends with some amazing people. They were so supportive of my journey. You know, they would, they would give me personal loans. They would support me. They would, you know, kind of reach out to me and encourage me to stay on the path, you know, not lose my hope you know, so, in terms of. Yeah. So let me clarify one thing. A lot of people wouldn't know. I have experienced what you talked about because uh, I did UPW and I also went and did that volunteering work for one of the events. And in Australia, it was not that many people, maybe three, 4,000 people, but uh, it's a full-fledged training to be that volunteer, there is a captain or whatever name they gave. That lady was the organizer for this whole volunteering team. And it's like few hundred people as volunteers. So you were talking about everything that you talked about behind the scene, people were supportive and the training was intense. Are you talking about that volunteering team or beyond that? Well, you know, from this organization, which I joined, you know, I had a lot of people who became like extended family. Okay. Then what happened, you know, the the company, you know, where I actually was a client for them, Success Resources. Where oh, I was you were doing, with Success know, Resources, okay. Yeah. So I joined in you know, a T-Harbs program, you know, like they do this Millennium Mind Intensive and then they have a funnel where they promote, you know, their advanced courses. So I joined a couple of Harbs program and through that, you know, trainings, I got connected with that company. And once I finished my trainings, you know, as you said, I started crewing. Because I have yeah. a lot of time in my hand. Crewing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Volunteering, I was saying, it's the crewing, yeah. Yeah, so I've done the UPW side of it as well. UPW is obviously at a massive scale. You get like, you know, like you in Australia get 4,000 people, we get 10,000 here. I'm talking about events, you know, which is between, let's say, seven 800 people to 1,000, okay? Mm. And sometimes probably a smaller group with advanced course of 200 people. So I was literally, you know, volunteering event after event. Mm. And I was spending time with my mentor in the training room non-stop like you know he would come from us and he would have you know this slot of trainings booked up so he would first run his three days play to win okay that's the training that he would do you're talking about tony robbins or somebody else no it's a guy called clinton swain you know he's again another one of the crazy guys clinton who runs swain. all these games you know not very well known but very powerful teacher mm. so he would run these you know three days his pre preliminary introductory program he would have a gap and then he would have you know three or four advanced courses one after another 
that's how you know he would run his old show because that's where he could he could do more he could go in one country live there for a month and then go to one country and live there for a month so i would with with the week, with him you know in training room for good 15 16 days like 16 hours learning and then also supporting and then going into all these other events with success resources growing learning supporting and just getting better you know and the whole art of speaking doing events and you know building the mindset and changing that identity that oh you know i can do it so and how were you when how were you funding all these things were you still working part time or you used to get paid by these speakers i i use credit cards which i whatever <laughs> i had and you know what i couldn't pay it back so i think i have never shared this probably a lot of people you know who are expats would understand one of my you know contacts from the same organization where i joined this frontier training mm. he pushed me to go into citizen advice bureau because i was stressed up i couldn't you know pay my rent and i was really at this situation like oh god oh god oh god i was crazy you know let's put it this way so in 2012 he literally pushed me because i thought if i go to citizen advice bureau they might pick me up and deport me just deport you yeah but he said please understand amandeep you know they are there for the citizen you could be an illegal immigrant that still help you they mm. are not related to home office you know they are supportive they'll help you because i think he had a situation in his life many years back and he he knew what he's talking about so he you know i was so reluctant to walk into you know a citizen advice bureau you know kind of like office mm. he pushed me i had something you know like within 3 miles place from where i was living in west london so i went very reluctantly and i and i met a very you know like an elderly person he was very supportive he took all my figures okay you have you know 3000 in this card you have 4000 in this card it all added up to like 12 13000 pounds in five six cards you know i had they were all maxed up and this part time job you know i was doing it was not really going well for me because i used to you know sell double glazing all mm. these you know pvc pvc windows and doors yeah i was pretty good in sales but i didn't like the environment and you know oh god you know it just this time came you know when you're so suffocated at a place that you can't take it anymore you know i hope mm. you understand right Yes. So <laughs> I, I couldn't pick up, you know, lift up my body and go there. Though I really needed it so badly, but after a while, you know, a time came and I cannot literally walk into that work environment. It was so toxic, you know, because I have seen better environment, you know, where I worked in call centers. So I'm not this, you know, illegal immigrant. I mean, I'm not saying you know, I'm just saying maybe they they start from a certain place they can probably get used to certain things, you know. Because we had, you know, a lot of illegal immigrant working in the factory and stuff like that. And maybe you know the journey started that way so they got used to it. Mm. but i knew our quality you know of life because i could speak well i could sell well you know i could connect with people i didn't just have the legal rights to do it mm. so i felt suffocated and you know i just couldn't carry it anymore i said you know what i'll take a risk and you know things will work out but it didn't you know and i was under more trouble more pain more problem all cards maxed up and you know what i defaulted in 2012 it was in my credit history for 6 years so in 2018 it got clear when our i started you know picking up my pace so what i did you know i was think maybe it's again you know when you really if you really want to want something you know it just kind of things starts manifesting for you mm-hmm. i was really looking you know for a way out to make my passion turn into kind of you know an income mm-hmm. success resources for some reason i don't know what they saw in me i was still you know in that space i was announcing myself as a coach i was you know announcing myself as a coach looking for people clients if anybody would like to work with me i i would charge you know 20 30 pounds per session that time so coach for what public speaking or something life coach you know life, life coach, coach one to one yeah okay i was learning you know i was in the environment i knew you know i could coach people and i was only asking for 20 30 pounds per session 
book five sessions with me, pay me hundred pounds and, and I will help you. And I was mm. pretty powerful coach, even at the time for that investment. Mm. But obviously, you know, it doesn't scale up that way. People don't just pay you because you claim yourself to be somebody, you know, they want to mm. see results. They want to see your background. And then it takes a bit of time to build it up. So mm. in that journey, I joined success resources in February, 2012. Mm. They were looking for somebody in the office reliable and this is, you know, what the HR told me because we became great friends in the office, Joyce. Mm. She said, you know what, when you came, this was an impression given to us that you are this loaded, rich Indian guy because a lot of Indians are rich in, in, <laughs> in, in, in the UK. Mm. And you just came us as a favor to help us. So you don't need this job. You know, whatever salary you're paying you is peanuts for you. Mm. And oh God, we are grateful that you're here to support us. Fantastic. <laughs> but she didn't know I, I didn't have money to pay for my, my rent, you know, oh God. I remember taking some loan from Frontiers members to mm. pay for my initial this commute to London. I used to go to Central London from West London, mm. pay, you know, for my 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 Metro Oyster card, and I mm. took a bit of a loan, you know, for for a few days. And then when they paid me the first salary, oh god, it was such a big relief. Mm. I, I cannot tell you. So yeah, that's the way the journey, you know, has been. I started a joint social resources office. I started working, and within a few days of working, you know, with them, we had a situation where last minute they had a they had a cancellation or a change of flight for the main speaker, Richard Tan, you know, who's actually the owner. He was doing two sessions, you know, for Tony's UPW preview. So there was a morning session from 10 to one, and then there was an afternoon session from three to six. Now, for some reason, he cannot run the afternoon session. It's all booked up. It's a very few hours left, like tomorrow's event. And today they're looking for a speaker. I mean, anybody would come and love to speak for success resources, but last minute in a Western world, you know, people are booked up. They call mm -hmm. up people. Some said we are in Spain. Some said, you know what? I am in Ireland. Oh God, tomorrow I have got this family commitment. I'm so sorry, but I would love to come and do it next week if you have any slots. Well, they couldn't get any speaker. You know, whoever they called, they couldn't get it. Richard Tan cannot run it. He has to leave dot at 3 p.m. to catch a flight from Heathrow, go back to Singapore for a commitment which came up last minute. There's only one, two events I have done before this. I, done, I did a youth program in India in 2010, in December. The last time I could go, then it stopped because I couldn't go for five years. And then I had an event which I did in November 2011 with another fellow trainer friend where I was only hoping to be his host. So I approached him to say, you know what, can I be a host for your event? It's a small event with like 30 people. He said, why don't you join as one of the speakers? And I was over the moon, you know, like, oh God, yeah. But then I realized that means, you know what, I have to pay half half with him, split, you know, going to split with the expenses. I think it was six or 700 pounds expense with the venue and everything. We paid half up and that's probably was the reason maybe he was looking for another trainer. And, you know, I did a slot for two, two and a half hours on attitude. It was one of my first, you know, kind where a lot of people came to help us. They were from our community only to support us. There's only real audience was probably maybe 10 or maybe eight out of the 30 people. So anyways, you know, so they knew that I have done these two events under my belt and somebody knew that I'm very passionate. That's the only reason I've joined the office to learn the events in and out because I want to become a trainer, you know, eventually. So she suggested my name, you know, she said that maybe this guy can run it, you know, there's no harm. You know, when he's paid for, we cannot make any changes. If we change, we lose the money, you know, so everything will go spoiled. We take a chance on him, you know, even if he delivers, let's say worst case, two or three or four sales, it will be some revenue for the company. You know? So yeah, they, they approached me and they said, Amandeep, you know, would you like to step up? We heard you can do some speaking, run this in the second session for us. And because of my mentoring from my, from my you know, mentor, I did exactly, you know, what I've learned. I said yes, without no one idea how to do it. And then, then figure I figured out, out a way a few hours to make it happen. So who was this mentor who had to this, you know, say yes and then figure it out? It's Clinton, you know, Clinton Swain. I Clinton had a lot Swain. of, you know, uh, close contact with him. 
And he's a great teacher, you know, when it comes to designing games for your trainings and also, you know, how to uh, get over your stage fear and become a public speaker. So before uh, this opportunity came, you had done two gigs and how, what was the size? One you said about 30, 40 people. And what was the second one? The first one, you know, I did in India because it felt a bit like a little bit comfortable compared to doing it in the Western world, because I hope you, you know, you know, we have this, you know, like psychology where we look up to Western Herbers, you know, yeah, in a different got it, because got it. we have been programmed, you know, and especially if you come from a low middle class family, mm. you go like, oh God, you know, will I speak in front of white people, which mm. I did on the phone, you know, but speaking in front of audience is different. Yeah. So we put a youth program called Therefore I Win with another, you know, trainer friend in India, in Chandigarh, who I met at a Stephen Kavis program. I did Stephen Kavis in a training in year 2004. Yeah. And obviously it was Stephen Kavis trained trainer, you know, Indian trainer who had a batch of 22 people. So 22 people in that group were delegates, which means corporate company has paid for their 25,000 rupees investment. They were just, they just showed up to learn. It was only me and this crazy guy, Manjot from Chandigarh, <laughs> who were paying our own, you know, from our own pocket. Mm-hmm. So we connected, you know, like, oh God, one crazy to another crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Manjot was already training that time. You know, he would go into all these, you know, a hotel management college and universities and, and do some trainings and was getting paid, you know, whatever, 20,000 20, to 30,000. So this was an add-on for him. I just went to become better, you know, while I was still working in a call center. I see. So we kept in touch and, you know, it is interesting. I was still in call center. After I met him, you know, he kept me in the list saying, you know, that you have this essence to teach. So what happened, you know, I'm going to give you, you know, a little bit more different insight of my life. How did, you know, that decision of teaching became so more stronger in me? Danny Bhaskar newspaper was, you know, launching in Punjab. It's a Hindi newspaper. And yeah, they were, yeah, they were starting Punjab, you know, as, as a chapter. So Manjot needed four trainers because they wanted parallel training, you know, in all different locations. Like they want a trainer in Jalandhar where Manjot can go. They needed another trainer in Amritsar. They needed one in Hoshiarpur and they needed one in Ludhiana. Okay. I don't exactly remember which cities it was, but it was four cities in Punjab. So they, he reached out to me, you know, that would you like to come and speak? Because we'll send you to one of these, you know, uh, not the, like the biggest tier city, but one of those tier two cities where, you know, whatever you would do from your call center experience would be enough for an audience like that. So I was given, you know, I went to Hoshiarpur. We all went to Punjab together, Jalandhar. And from there, we took our locations. You know, So I was driven in a car to Hoshiarpur. Another trainer went to Amritsar. Another trainer went to another city. And I think Manjot did Jalandhar. So I went to Hoshiarpur, you know, and I was given close to 200 young people, 19, 20 years old, 21 years old, about to graduate, or, you know, they're just done higher secondary, like 10 plus two. Because I was a local guy by then, because I've lived in villages for six years. And I couldn't speak, you know, in a, in a, like a local dialect, you know, there's a, you know, there's a call of like a village dialect of Punjabi, there's a yeah. city dialect, and then there's something called, you know, Pindu, Pindu Punjabi. Yeah. So I, I knew I threw in some statements of Pindu, you know, statements <laughs> here and there. Mm. And the moment I did that, oh God, you know, they, these people thought, you know, this is like, you know, like one of us, Yeah. one of us, you know, they like, well, oh God, this guy speaks so great English. His personality is so amazing. And he's got a great presence, you know, oh God, you know, they were wow. And in, you know, in spite of teaching them sales techniques, which was more focused on selling newspapers, I was, you know, putting these life skills in between. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just loved me, you know, like so much that we had two trainers. Another trainer was given another segment 
but people were leaving his room and coming into my room. So mm-hmm. my room started becoming from 200, 250 to 300. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the biggest thing I want to tell you from the whole experience of teaching them for two days, where I got paid, you know, a small amount, that was my first payment, you know, of training, doing any kind of training. I, when I came out, you know, on the second day evening, I saw, I had 250, you know, youth kids. I'm not so old that time, you know, like let's mm-hmm. say 27, whatever. They're like seven years younger to me. Mm-hmm. There were 250, you know, youth kids around me to get a piece of me in a nice way. They wanted my email address. They wanted my telephone number. They wanted to hug me. They wanted to kiss me. They just loved me, you know, for what I created in two days for that in terms mm-hmm. of the learning. And obviously, you know, they took some help from the local guard. They had a guard and, you know, they had a manager who pushed people aside. And somehow, you know, they put me into this Maruti esteem, silver color. I still remember. <laughs> yeah, And I remember, you know, getting into the front seat because I liked sitting in the front seats, you know. The other trainer sat behind, but I just loved sitting in the front seats. And I just have, you know, like a soft corner for taxi drivers. I always chat with them because, you know, my dad is a taxi driver. Mm-hmm. And I always tip them, you know, because I just feel for them. Mm-hmm. So I sat in my front seat and I remember, you know, from Hasharpur to all the way to Jalandhar, you know, to probably an hour and a half, I had tears rolling out of my eyes. You know. It was so, like, you know, fulfilling experience mm-hmm. that I had never had in my life, you know. And maybe, you know, that was the day when I decided, you know what, I would like to do this. Mm-hmm. I would like to do this moving forward. I don't know how, but I'll figure out a way. I think, you know, there was a very deep, that initial desire of, you know, Amway in 1998. Mm-hmm. Mm. To this year, it became so strong in me that I said, you know what, I would like to do, but I was not thinking to do it at the scale I'm doing it right now. I thought, you know, probably do it in call centers, mm. something like that. And that will with, be with the of. limited exposure you had. That's what you thought. But these kids, you know, 200 kids, and I wish you know, I had some kind of contact with them. I was not allowed to give the details because of my, you know, kind of conflict of interest with the company. And Manjot, you know, Manjot brought me into, mm. but oh God, you know, these kids, they gave me that 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 motivation that inspiration that empowerment that you know what amandeep maybe you're a you're a great teacher help us out because you really helped us and you know what we love you and you almost like want to lift you up if we can in our arms Mm -hmm. and oh god that's the feeling you know what we stayed with me forever even till this day i think about it you know i get goosebumps (laughs) and then when i went to tony because i could see a way of doing this and it's scalable it's is you know because when tony made an offer like almost 2000 people ran to the back of the room to sign up. So I looked, you know, at people because I also ran and I took a form, I remember, and I paid a first installment, very small amount. The guy was not taking it. I forced him, you know, he said, you know, it's like 10,000 pounds. You're only paying 200 pounds. You know, you cannot make it. But I pushed him that I want the seat. So I paid 200 pounds, never get got around paying the full package, you know, because I lost the money, you know. But, oh God, you know, this three instances, you know, made me the teacher I am. That Amway first, then this Danny Bhaskar moment, and then, you know, that Tony's third day, you know, mm-hmm. kind of going into that process. That's awesome. So we were at your uh, about to get into a stage, replacing your mentor, one of the good big speakers. How many people were there in that room? I had two instant in- incidents, you know, where I was chosen last minute. So the first is this you were talking about yeah you were talking about the success review success resources one where they could not get any replacement and they ask you amandeep you have done something before would you want to do it there were around 130 people 130 people okay yeah it was a central london hotel you know in victoria station near victoria station okay. i still remember it's a basement you know you take a lift to go down and you know what veronica tan was in the room because it's richard who had to go and they are the couple who run this company Okay. So it's like my boss is in the room and she is watching me while speaking. 
and that's my first gig with them okay oh she was, was there in the room she was in the room because they were both you know kind of worried, i went like to, yeah they were worried and they you know wanted to see would i do anything you know out of the slot been given it was a 3 hours you know workshop for a teaser to mm. understand you know what you know what tony style of teaching is mm. and then people make a informed decision to go into unleash the power within his main event four days which you sell for 7 800 pounds you know ticket okay obviously you get some extra bees you know when you sign up at a preview you get two tickets for mmi you get you know a cd of tony that's given you know, as a bonus so i i think i had close to 130 people obviously some people left that's just the way life is you know and i think you know what shaking in the first 15 minutes i lim- i remember my legs were shaking and you know what happened i i needed some water felt thirsty so much because you know mm. i was maybe so much nervous mm. i spilled the water over you know on, on on the table yeah and i think you know what people could make out that this guy is just new mm-hmm. i think you know most people are nice they they want to be supportive if they see a struggling speaker most people you know so okay. some people left yeah most people stayed back and after 15 20 minutes you know i think maybe this is something happens for every human being you know when you're put in a situation you tap into the best version you are mm-hmm. so they gave me certain you know way of teaching like they gave me slides and and the flow and the content but that was not my content and flow so i couldn't fit in in couple of hours notice i think you know what then is a voice came inside me and said you know what effort i'm going to do it my style I had enough training with my mentor. I have done these two workshops. I have spoken about attitude and you know gratitude and stuff like that. So I'm going to go into that flow and connect it back to Tony. Mm-hmm. So I let go of the slides they gave me. You know, I started flowing being who I am mm-hmm. after 20 minutes into the presentation. And when I clocked into you know being who I was, oh god, people kind of lighted up, you know, because they could see that now there's something coming out of this guy, you know, which mm-hmm. they wanted to have. So yeah I finished the workshop in 1 hour 40 minutes because I didn't know how to warm up audience you know <laughs> do this little exercise in between I just kept speaking mm. and I just kept giving 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 content 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 and then I made an offer at the end and I think 13 or 11 people bought you know so I had almost 10% conversion on my first gig for what that number supposed to be in general it's supposed to be around 10% or more No I mean a good speaker my average is 18% right now 18.2% for all okay. the, you know events I've done for Tony I mean they consider 20 to be absolutely great 15 okay. very good 10 is like okay you know so it was a good like start okay. yeah yeah I mean it was my first one and I got 11 12 sales and then Veronica was there and she actually you know saw because she has seen a lot of speakers before so she said you know what your energy went up when it came to the sale you know i mean i wish you kept that same energy all through but something shifted in you the moment you came to the sales part you know like you shifted your gears and she loved that you know part because that's what the biggest criteria is to pick speak for success resources they look for kind of trainers who can convert not just who can speak great you know that's okay you know you can inspire motivate amazing but can you convert at the end and then maybe the thought you know what if this guy can do this in a short notice if we give him time maybe you know what he can do a better job and that's what they started doing they started giving me all these smaller groups where other speakers won't go and you know and maybe far up places you know like from here to glasgow other trainers don't want to go because there are like 50 people there so yeah i started getting all these small rooms and i started you know talking numbers and then there was talk in the office going like you know what our in house speaker who is just started in few months back is doing better than some seasoned speakers right now. so you know what we should give him better slots and bigger slots 
So what was the next turning point for you? So now you are selling for the main speakers. What was your next turning point then? In 2014, I got my visa reinstated, end of 2014. And obviously, you know, I always had this uh, in mind to build my own funnel. Mm. So I remember, you know, in October, 10th of October, 2014, I did my first, my own program in, in India. I couldn't run yeah, anything in UK because it could have been seen as a conflict of interest. I, I was very careful about that part. I still had a work permit through successor resources. So I had to full, you know, clock my 10, 10 years to get my long residency, you know, permit here. So I was very careful and still, you know, some people had some problem with, of me doing that. But then, you know, like HR was a good friend of mine. So she actually told them that Amandeep becoming more popular is good for the company because you know what, more and more people would like to join us looking at what he is doing. So, yeah, I think uh, I kept speaking, you know, with success resources alongside still dialing. I still had, you know, same target, like any other sales person. So it was not like, oh, you speak, you know, so you, you can take off and do your own stuff. And that's why, you know what, there's a lot of respect for me in the office till today. They actually use my story to inspire these stuff. Because how do I know, you know, my accountant friend from Pakistan is still in the company. He's been there for like 10, 11 years now. Mm. So he, we are friends, you know, we talk to each other on a regular basis. So he tells me that, you know, Veronica was praising you today in the session and she was giving your example that if you want to become like him, then do the work. You know, he did all the groundwork to be where he is. So yeah, I kept, you know, speaking parallelly, doing all my sales in the office. I, I was the highest seller for consecutive five years for all Tony Robbins tickets, you know, I sold. Nobody ha has ever been able to beat me. In UK? Yeah. In UK. Yeah. All five years. And I have trophies, you know, which I got from the office. It is still mm. here somewhere, you know. Mm. And I, mean, I would also talk from, from the stage as well. Right. And in 2014, you did your first speaking in India. What was that all about? What was the audience like? I did a program, you know, just for a couple of hours. I went for meet family and I, you know, use the opportunity. And I did a program called Discover Your Brilliance. Okay. Yeah. It was like four or five hours, you know, in a kind of evening slot, late afternoon slot. And it was okay, you know, to begin with. And that's how the journey started. Then I went back in December, did another program in India and kept speaking, you know, for the Indian chapter. And then when I left office in 2017, April, Success Resources, then I started, you know, doing my programs in the UK and Europe as well. Right. So if I understand now, you have multiple programs, you teach sales, you teach public speaking. You, some of your programs are more like life coaching, but in at a scale, uh, I think you are helping your students write books also, as well. I keep, you know, getting messages here and there. So you're doing a lot of things. So between 2017 and now 21, with COVID in between, uh, you have a scaled up as a business. So do you want to quickly give me the journey? So early days when you decided to set it up on your own, you are not just a speaker, you are an entrepreneur and you have to take care of everything, you know, starting from your lead generation and before that, the marketing aspect of it. And there's a lot involved in starting and running and then growing business and your main skill was uh, speaking and selling along with speaking it was selling so how did you go about setting up these things and any challenges any learnings that came out of that if you can share that will help a lot of people who are wanting to start and maybe they get some breakthrough ideas from your story my parents you know they have they never retired in their life because they you know my father drove a taxi till the age he can and then he, you know he used to drive this uh, tempo 407 tata 407 you know in Punjab and he would lift these, you know, buffaloes and drop them. 
So I had some lessons, you know, from my father, which I did not want to repeat those mistakes. My father never bought any properties. So yeah, you know, we never had a house, which he could have done that in Calcutta, those properties, you know, would have really appreciated. So this is pretty interesting, you know. In 2011, I registered my company in the UK. You will be surprised. And you were kind of still part-time worker there in 2011, isn't it? Yeah. So what I what happened, you know, I because in UK, there's no more checks. There's no proper checks, you know, in terms of how you are connected as an immigrant in the country. So when I registered the company and I had visa issues, you know, which is going on in this parallel sideways, my lawyer said, you know what, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> now, as you've done it, don't worry. We have to put the company in somebody's name. So my company was running on somebody's name for a good few years. I'm telling you the challenges of they've been mm. massive. You know? <laughs> I mean, so it was Adi, Adi, and I call him Adi, he's from Mumbai. He kept the company for a few years on his name. And then it's Mudassar, you know, from Hyderabad. These are the details I've never spoken about before. You know, he kept mm. the company you know, for a few years on his name until I got my permanent residency and got it back, you know, in 2017, mm. end of 16. So I had this, you know, all these challenges around me, but because of the learning and mentoring I had, I knew, you know, that you have to outsource things, which, uh, you know, you're not good at, or at least, you know what, you have to leverage your time. So in 2011, you know, when I registered my company in March, obviously not on my name, initially it was, but then I got it shifted to people who could officially take it and adopt my child until I can adopt it back. I had a part-time, you know, girl working for me in, in, in Delhi, Harshita. She's in banking now. You know, she works for Access Bank. She was with me for two years and I needed her for a part-time. I did cold calling. I literally called up, you know, these digital marketing kind of colleges. And I spoke to somebody on the phone and I said, you know, I'm looking for somebody and I know what the work kind of work they have to do and I can train them and teach them very well. So yeah, I got Harshita from there. So she would help me, you know, on the side as a part-time intern. Then I remember, you know, hiring Pooja, who was with us for three years. And while Pooja was there, we scaled up our team. You know, when I started going to India in 2015, a bit more regularly. So we had like a team of three people. Then in 17, when I left, you know, I had a team of seven, eight people in the office working. So, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of you know, journey I've been through when it comes to the entrepreneurship, you know. And what kind and, of work uh, uh, they were doing, Amandeep? They were, you know, really doing all the work which the which I don't have to do, let's say, you know, from social media updates to, you know, doing uh, calling and, you know, customer service, you know, whatever the work which requires an you know, attention of somebody at a graduate level, you know, they can do it. Most of the work they would do it. I would like to focus on teaching. And that's what I did, you know, most of the time. Obviously I had to chip in at times because they're not fully equipped and prepared at times, but these are the works, you know, they would take care of the marketing side of it, the admin side of it, the customer size of it and you know all the calling side of it they would do it for me so they did cold calling as well for you oh yeah i mean in our industry there's not really a, any cold calling as such mm. but i would say they have done calling for very like you know very little warm leads like there's okay. some interest about free book or a free you know kind of a video they can get and then you know build up from there so how do you generate have... what's your main source of generating lead Right now, it is Facebook ads and Google ads. Okay. Before, it used to be only Facebook ads. We didn't have any Google presence. Also, right now, you know, Google presence is not at that scaled-up level. It's still mm-hmm. you know, building it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is nothing... The mistake I made... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Quickly, the mistake I made you know, as a trainer, that I didn't have any much virtual presence. I was running around doing events after events. I would be somewhere speaking you know, on a weekend for Tony, maybe, or for my event. So that's the mistake we did. And I never put much videos up there on YouTube 
And I mean, my team would just do the updates and post. I did not get much involved, you know, but mm-hmm. getting involved in building a tribe, it's really a great thing to do, you know, for the profession I am in. You see, most businesses these days, I mean, they, it's uh, very important to create a trusted tribe and content is become the main source for, for that. And that's why I was interested in asking this question from you, how you've done it. So now I understand before COVID model was pretty much model, but uh, post COVID, everybody has to be content rich, a quality content to attract people on top of it's, it's not either or like you can't just do content and not do ad, or you can't just do ad and don't do content because these work together in my mind. Is that what you think or feel? Yeah, yeah. that's why, you know, the reason, you know, it took me almost four years to get my book out because, you know, I was under the protects of this perfection, you know, myth, which I was carrying somewhere because of my, you know, conditioning. I still have a little bit of that maybe, but, you know, we can never be perfect. You know, we can only bring our best work out and then, you know, things work out. So it took me almost four years to get my book out. So what we did, you know, we made a decision that we want to take our, take our students and, you know, if they're willing and they, they're committed, we want to, you know, convert them into authors within a couple of weeks time. So, you know, we have done two projects and the third one is running mm. where we have taken our 20 students where I write a you know, book with them. And in less than 90 days, you know, they become like Amazon bestsellers. They are authors, you know, in less than 90 days time. So we're writing a book right now on communication. We have a common theme. So mm-hmm. this is a book, you know, which is actually on the, on the site, on the, on the lines of the event I do speak to shine. So the mm-hmm. speak to shine actually is now becoming a book. So okay. I have 22 of my students writing a book with me and they, the book is launching next month, you know, speak to shine and it's on communication skills. It's on, you know, overcoming your fear of speaking. It's all about, you know, understanding human behaviors and how, you know, you can use that to, to scale up. So again, it is all about content. You know, the more content you put it out there, and then I started going live, you know, pretty much every week, you know, I go live. I was going, you know, like two, three times live in, in the week when I, the whole pandemic started mm. and we started teaching virtually, you know, so mm. we have so many kind of, you know, other kind of like trainings, content happening right now. So we run these speak to shine for five days, mm. you know, I think the one you attended as well. Mm. And then we have, you know, these uh, eight module sessions, you know, which we run millennial speaker blueprint. Mm. Then we also have, you know, our health session running, like I'm starting a challenge tomorrow with my. 30 students, you know, we all going to fast, you know, pretty much. Fast for what's the uh, four, days, days, yeah. four, four days. days? Four days. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, this health thing is happening there. Then I take these monthly, you know, like inner circle mastermind classes, but mm. I also bring you know some guest speakers as well. Mm. So that's also running parallelly, you know, so all these things are happening right now. It's all about, as you said, you know, content, 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 mm. and delivering value, value, value to right. your, you know, your tribe. So who are your uh, typical or the best client. I mean, if you have to choose, uh, who's your best client? How, how do you pictureize a best client for you? You know, our best clients, you know, we have people like Kailash Rawat, you know, we have people like Renu Sethi, she's from US, Kailash is in Birmingham. We have people like Stephanie Benjamin, you know. So these are my shadowing clients. So they pay, you know, anything between ten to $12,000 to have my one-to-one presence and, you know, and get them in a session where it's all focused about the craft they are in, like, they have a, you know, like a content they want to put together. They want the flow to understand, or maybe, you know, they want me to look at the script or, you know, like going live and how, you know, to build the things. Okay, so, so let me, let me put my head around it. So you have number of courses, which you do for people in group, and then you also do one-on-one. So when you talked about best client, you talked about your one-on-one clients. That's correct. So we okay. have, you know, first our teasers for yeah. $10, you know, for yeah. like five days training. That's, then people think, graduate into a five to seven hundred dollars in a program for eight modules, eight weeks. 
Right. And from that eight weeks, you know, we have clients you know, who pay us ten, twelve thousand dollars because they want you know one-to-one focused you know attention of yours. Got it. So if I have to rephrase it uh, just for everybody's understanding, one of my mentors calls it ascending uh, transaction model. So basically, you start with say free gifts, which is all your free content. Then you bring them on a simple like $10 thing that you talked about where you teach speaking from people graduate there from an advanced public speaking course, for example, that's the next level. And the core, your core product is your one-on-one where you actually do the, the top work. And that's where you, the, the value exchange is highest. So that's the ascending transaction model for you. Yeah. Starting with gifts. Yes, you know. small, okay. Got it. Fantastic. See today in coaching and consulting world, pretty much everywhere, it's the same way. You've got to give powerful, useful gifts and then small value, and then it goes to the core product. So your core product is one-on-one if I understood right. Yeah. So we have this, you know, speak to shine five days yeah. initially for like $10, you know, almost like free. Hmm. Then we have this uh, six, $700, you know, millennial speaker group in, which is eight modules. Hmm. And then, yes, as you said, you know, shadowing, you know, is I call it where hmm. people invest ten to $12,000 to pick up my brain, you know, for the experience I had you know, doing 700 workshops. Got it. So when it comes to your uh, overall customer base, uh, see, I, I come from IT and my friends and community predominantly from IT. So what kind of value you have seen if you have been able to generate for people in any professional environment, because communication is key anywhere. So do you have clients from our community, which is IT and accounting and all sort of different uh, professional background? Yeah, I mean, we do get people from IT. We have people, I've got a lot of doctors, you know, in my community and a lot of chartered accountants. Chartered accountants. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, as uh, one of my clients in April, she got featured in TEDx, you know, a couple of months back. Awesome. Um, we have another student, Ashutosh. I think you know he is about to speak on TEDx. I think it's virtual, and then mm-hmm. he probably also may have live when it comes back. You know, so I think it is end of the month when he will have a TEDx speech for himself. He reached out to me to look into his script and help him out. It's a twelve-minute script. You know, they have to do. So, yeah, I mean those. Yeah, those from a point of view of getting staged. And then you know, I had this young guy. You know, Omer Qureshi. He lives in Delhi. He's an affiliate marketing trainer. I think he's seventeen years old, probably sixteen years old. So, yeah, I mean, he, he does these, you know, like trainings and batches with his community and tribe. So he's generating you know, anything between uh, 10 to 12 lakhs. You know, every time he does a batch, because the model he learned about doing his program in a way that it leads to sales, you know, when he, okay. he, he promotes it. Yeah. So your students pretty much run, learn speaking or speaking from a stage and also sales is pretty much that. Yeah, and so then there's the life do, skill part of it. Yeah. The way we call it, you know, is to find your voice and monetize it. So any okay. existing skills and knowledge you have, uh, you can take it and put it in a package that you can, you know, deliver it to the world. Because, you know, because of Zoom right now, the world is, you know, global. You can have clients anywhere you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's next for you, Amandeep? So it looks like you have a pretty solid business model. It's already running. What's next for you? Next uh, would be to build this tribe up. We have around 200, you know, 20, 30 members in our tribe. And this is all pure organically build up, you know, in the last 17, 16 months, because when mm. the pandemic hit, you know, I am actually an official reseller for Tony's events. So I buy, you know, Tony's tickets in bulk for UK and Australia and resell them in the market, mainly for UK. So I have a stock, you know, which is sitting there, but it is pretty much like a, a sleeping stock right now until, mm. you know, the live events come back. So I had a major loss you know, last year. So April was pretty stressful for me. Mm. I, 
I, I remember not being able to sleep, you know, for four or five nights because there's a lot of money, you know, which is at stake right now. But when the live events come back in a year or two years, you know, we might be able to encash that. Mm-hmm. So coming back, you know, we have built this 230 people, you know, organically in the last 16, 17 months. And this is my, you know, plan to build it up to thousand people in the next, you know, year, year and a half. So by end of 2023, I would like to see, you know, this tribe become at least thousand people where we will have a big pool of trainers, speakers, consultants, you know, business people who are able to support each other because of the networking they have. And plus, you know what, we would keep adding value by bringing these monthly sessions where we keep, you know, enhancing the skills they have and also enhance our own skill, you know, keep learning, keep getting better. So this is kind of, you know, the, the vision I have for the tribe we have on, on our virtual platform. Mm-hmm. And I also want to, you know, bring my live events. So I have a plan to do a live event in India in December. And then next year, I think, you know what, I mean, right now UK, I can run events, okay. but I'm not taking that risk. But next year, probably in March or April, I would like to do small groups, 30, 40, 50 people in London as well. That's fantastic. So what's the long-term vision for you running these courses and all that? Well, thank you, you know, for just uh, like affirming it, right? Because that's, uh, that's what I, I feel, you know, my life would, life looks like right now. I see myself, you know, at the end of my life, still teaching, you know, being in a, in a training room. Like, Dr., you know, Abdul Kalam, as he died, you know, he died my dream that, you know, when I was used to be in the live rooms, I would say that, you know, that I have planned to live for 100, 100 years. And you know what, if you really strongly manifest it, it can happen, okay? Until as if I die of any accident, that's different, but I would love to live till 100 or let's say 85, 90, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would love to die in a training room while delivering a workshop. Fantastic. So, so you, you kind of found your purpose, you found your mission, and uh, there is no confusion. There is no cloudiness in mind to clearly see what you want to do for the rest of your life. So that's probably the best way to have a career, right? Yeah, you know, I love teaching. You know, you can wake me up in the middle of the night and I wouldn't mind you to teaching. And God bless my students, you know, when I did all these mindset programs, Every time I would finish a program for Tony or, you know, for myself, at least two, three people would come to me and say, you know what? Oh God, that was mesmerizing, captivating, or it was a great session. And they would say, you know what? I'm going for Tony or I'm going with your program, the one you actually promoted, but I would like to learn, you know, what you did on the stage. Can you decode that for me? You know, I would like to learn that skill. And that it kept happening, you know, for a while until I decided to put a, you know, like a taste test, like a test run. And, you know, a small group of people came and they had an amazing experience. And even for me, it was surprising to see the transformation, transformation. People from day one to day four. Like, you know what? Oh, God, they were completely transformed for a person they were when they came in. And I saw that, oh, God, it's got so much of power. So why not? Let's do that. So three, I think three years back. So I, you know, went full on into this of teaching public speaking in a way that it can be monetized you know, by people. Well, so, yeah, that's what I plan to do as on my well, it's pretty pretty good to hear that you have clarity and that's what i want to bring to people to you know learn from the stories of people like you to build that clarity once we have clarity once we are aligned to what really feel like doing i think work becomes play and play i mean there's no distinction play and work is the I same add something thing. you know it's a great you know vision you have for this for this podcast you're running okay i go with my wife you know and i see this men's they're missing you know, in the park, in the school. Mm. And I can tell you why they're missing, you know, from there, because they're working hard, you know, while the, mm. obviously the lady in the house is managing the kids and stuff like that. Mm. Mm. I find myself to be one of the odd, you know, male members in school or parks and other places. And the reason I can do that, you know, now after, you know, going through all that journey, mm. because, you know, I'm my own boss. True. Very true. Yeah. But it came with a price, you know, with the price tag. Yeah. So, I mean, if anybody's listening, oh God, 
entrepreneurship, you know, is the way forward, you know, in whatever capacity you want to do it. Once you're ready to go through that pain and journey, the other side, when you reach, oh God, there's so much of freedom, you know, in your life. Not only that, Amandeep, I mean, maybe you are away from employment for a long time now, but in the employment world, it's already changed and COVID has accelerated it further. So businesses do not want to hire a full-time employee because it's very expensive. So okay. they want to hire you only for a gig. So, so the workforce of tomorrow is an entrepreneur, is a self-employed person who will be working with two, three, four, five clients at the same time. So because your job finishes and your relationship finishes. So you're the relationship for a job. So it's like a contracting. That's, that's where the world is going. Which the means, same I did, you know, the same yeah. I did with Success Resources. I didn't yeah. go on a payroll. I had a company, so they will pay my company, you know, as a consultant. Right. It's a better, so, better way to go forward, you know. And that's the way the world is going. So that old uh, paradigm of uh, somebody will hire me and they'll take care of me and pay me and I just need to go and do the work is gone. So for tomorrow's employee is someone who's a business of you kind of where you market yourself, you share the value proposition and you keep you know being in the market. So it's not going to be somebody hires and takes care of you for the rest of your life. That world is already gone. So it cannot, it's not fair because see, you cannot just keep paying somebody just because you know you exist there. Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. You have to deliver value for an exchange of the money you want. Definitely. So that's the way the world is going in employment as well. So sooner people realize and wake up better it is. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's it. So thank you for your time, Amandeep. And what's the best way for people to connect with you or consume your resources and contents that you have created? I think the best place, you know, to start would be to go to my website, Speak to Shine. It's a S E E A K speak word with a yeah. number two. Shine as an S H I N E dot com, and that's where you know what they can see the beginning of the journey they they would like to take with me. Otherwise, you know, if they type in Amandeep and my surname Thind, which is T-H-I-N-D, You're the only they can one, pretty yeah. much find me. Yeah, that's that's how I found you. Thank you very yeah. much, uh, Amandeep, for your time and uh, hope your story inspires a lot of people. I was definitely inspired and I could relate to a lot of incidents that you talk about. I may not have uh, those incidents to that deep level, but I could relate to a lot of uh, incidents. So I enjoyed the conversation thoroughly. Thank you very much. Thank you. You know, it takes one to see one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Empowering Indian Expats podcast with your host Ehsan Ali. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Amandeep and got some inspiration and ideas on how you can overcome any limitations and achieve anything you want. Only if you find your role models and be willing to take a risk and go all in. For me, I picked up quite a few nuggets from Amandeep's journey. I realized we must embrace the challenges on the way to manifesting a big vision. If there is no challenge, chances are the goal or vision is not big enough. Other key insight for me was that we must invest in surrounding ourselves with people we look up to. Amandeep paid for Tony Robbins' course when he couldn't afford it and he joined Success Resources not as a speaker but in sales but the breakthrough came from Success Resources because he was in the right place at the right time. So that's all for me and uh, let me know what were your key takeaways and uh, do not hesitate to reach out to me on LinkedIn if you feel your career is not on track. I may be able to assist myself or connect you with someone who has already gone the path you want to take.